McGrath kept it going for James Woodlock. Woody coming in, he's got a support player ahead of him. If he needs him, hits the shot just inside the right hand upright and over the bar. Good start by the drum and inch player. Played in his 22nd championship match, he's made it 3 2. Hi, Michael Fenley here, former Intercounty to Kenny Herder. On today's Player's Voice, I had the pleasure of talking to former Intercounty hurling midfielder James Woodlock. James talks about his 10 year tenure with Tipperary, his cruel injury he sustained in 2009, and also Tipperary's new management setup for 2019. James, Tell me where we are and I suppose how did you end up here, more importantly? I suppose I ended up here when I applied for the guards, you know, after school I did a course and then I was out on the road working on construction and then I went for the guards, you know, and uh, I said the guard of college was always in the road to me and I said it might be a place I'd like to come and work. And then I got, for my sins, I got stationed in Kenny for about seven or eight years. <laughs> and uh, it actually worked out grand, it was through all the hurling as well. And, Great city, great people down there, my great friends, you know what I mean? And we always had the venture, always had something to talk about. But then the college opened back up in 2014 and I went for it straight away. And I was lucky enough to get it and I'm lecturing here now since. Okay, great. And how do you find the difference between your your, your first role in Kikenny? What was it? Were you stationed or what exactly were you doing in that role? Yeah, I was basically, I was on a unit down there, you know, so you're doing all the frontline policing all the time, you know, so you're dealing from traffic accidents to tiffs and shops are going in and talk to schools and stuff like that you know and I, I only did that really for maybe two years or that and then I went community police and that suited me more really just going around chatting to people and going into schools and into you know um, all elderly groups and stuff like that and that was great uh, but when the role opened up here then I went for it so the difference is I suppose I'm not out dealing with the public anymore I'm dealing with students coming in but they're not really students either they have life experience they're older age groups some of them are you know 35 years of age coming in married with three and four kids couple of years older than me already and then you have the 21 year olds still coming in as well so it's great in here you know it's 95 there's no shift work um, and it's good from that point of view great yeah you have way more structure on, on your week yeah and, absolutely uh, you, you have a couple of kids at home as well and a wife so that obviously helps with structure and routine and that and, and your wife actually works as a guard as well yeah yeah uh, Michelle works here as well so she does a lot of the raising the girls but I try and get home now and then uh, yeah so the girls are good they're one and a half and three and they're flying for them. So look, it's a reason I said it years ago in an interview as well, you know, it gives you a different perspective on life and you want to get home after a training session or after work, you know what I mean, to see him before you go to bed. Great, yeah. Normally you'd have Henry Sheffield racing home from training. He's about five kids at home to, to get home to them from, from club training. <laughs> so I try to do the 30 kilometres an hour and, you know, make sure they're nearly there again I get home. Great. So, not too bad. Great stuff. And Eddie Brennan actually, and his wife is a, his wife is a guard as well, Olivia. Is there a trend there with guards? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, it seems to be, you know, in, in our profession it does but sure Eddie's working with me here we're doing the same job here really you know so we have the banter as well but uh, yeah sure it's great you know I know you find your own isn't that what you say and that's obviously what's after having a couple of us anyway exactly you saw something in common um, lately we have the reappointment of Liam Sheedy as the Tipperary manager uh, for 2019 what's your views on that yeah sure look my views on that is that it's absolutely outstanding for Tipperary uh, the county the county board and for the supporters for ex-players, for everybody. I suppose the only man putting his head in the block is Liam Sheedy because he already has it done. He's coming back to put his reputation back on the line, but he's a man that just loves Tipperary hurling and that's why he's coming back to do it, you know. And I do feel that Liam wouldn't be coming back 
um, for the sake of coming back, he's coming back, you know, to try and bring success back to Tipperary Horn, and I think he can do that. Without without a doubt, and there was other so was nominees there. Uh, Liam Cad was there. Um, who else? Willie Mar. Willie well, Mar was, well, was yeah. Yeah, so they were talking about them, and they're two big, you know, two big, two big men with yeah, big reputation. Willie is actually living in Kilkenny, and Liam Din is obviously here in Tip. And look, Liam has won two Munster minors uh, finals, one beaten one All Ireland, one another one, and won a twenty one this year. That people would say he had no right to win, you know. So he's really building himself up, and his profile is coming. Um, will he be disappointed not getting a senior job I don't think he will because I think the players he has at the moment have another two or three years to develop before the real senior players here in Tip and he'll be happy enough to go away and work with those under 20 players and even this year he brought in a lot of 19 year olds to have him bedded in for next year for himself so Liam the opportunity is going to rise for him Quinn is the question Okay, yeah, exactly yeah, that's, that's a very valid point and and if he's obviously looking towards next year already with the under 20s yeah and he has a yeah, few of them lads in there already he's put um, work in there and I, I know Willie as well has massive time for Tip Horan no, huge huge Tip man he's very successful in his job everything he does and I'm sure he'd have put his case forward but he'll just have to wait his time I suppose as well you know and he has won an all earned minor and he's been with the under 21 so I'm sure he'll come again that's a good problem that uh, if you like to call it a problem at Tipperary have they have a couple of real high end managers now lining up and obviously Michael Ryan has, has gone by as well from a huge uh, commitment and, uh, and dedication in terms of his maybe it was a 9 or 10 year tenure as well so yeah. they've had always good men I suppose in, in Tipperary and I suppose last or this year 2018 was probably a year that they didn't really achieve and they were you know probably inches away in my eyes in terms of some of those games yeah. a, a, a drop of a ball here and there could have actually had him in the latter stages in the quarter final and, and it could have, could have been a completely different year for Tipperary yeah um, yeah absolutely could have had you know a bit of a post you know deprived of and it killed Claire at the end of the year you know you know that's just the way it goes when when, when they had their miss but Look, overall, I don't think the wheels were really idle this year. We weren't more, we just weren't hurling well, you know, and for whatever reason it was, we hurled in patches, you know, a big comeback again, Waterford, big comeback again, Cork, where, you know, epic 25, 30-minute pieces of hurl, you know, but we didn't do it consistently for long enough. So I don't think we had any qualms in tip with the way we went out, you know, but I do feel and believe that the team is still there to achieve. You know, Michael did huge work. He has done it under Liam he's done it under Aaron O'Shea so he's gone by and he's an all and gone with him as well you know so look the, the the boys were front runners I suppose and then Liam came late to the table and I suppose look with his reputation I suppose he was always going to get it really and you obviously uh, hurled under Liam what did you find that actually was very good about Liam or what's the difference or what, what's the what does he do to bring the team together and get the most out of players yeah um, just as you said it there he's able to bring a team together like I've never seen before you know uh, to talk about issues in different camps I don't think we ever had an issue for a second under Liam Sheedy and uh, the thing is you can go and talk to him uh, about anything you want to um, but you're also afraid of him at the same time you know what I mean and uh, you're just that bit, bit afraid of him all the time he has I think you know he has that streak in him where he's not afraid to make hard decisions be ruthless make the cause but if you look back over his tenure there it was the same team started on nearly every occasion he gave the trust to the players and the same way he's coming on um, but it was what he was able to do, he was able to organise stuff. He said it, I'll never forget after 2010, he was never the best manager in the game, but he got the best possible people around him at the time. And when you look back on it, we had the likes of Keane O'Neill, Eamon O'Shea, Mick Ryan as selector, he got the best people around him all the time. Dietitians, uh, nutritionists, whatever we needed were coming in, and it was the best people all the time. You know, he had someone from the All Blacks over to speak to us, he'd brought in different people all the time. And, 
we did, I suppose, team building days and they were fun, but it brought we were stuck together, you know, and he was able to bring that bond that when we went out the field that you'd die for each other in the field. And I don't think maybe bar one match again Cork we failed to perform under Liam Sheedy. Interesting. You mentioned uh, Eamon O'Shea. Eamon was actually selector before he, he became manager. Yeah, Eamon was actually the coach under under uh, Liam Sheedy and he came in and to us as players we wouldn't have known him at the time but he was just he had he had a massive impact on it you know really the 2010 all Ireland final those three years everyone puts down to Liam Corsi would but the other man definitely was 50-50 you know Eamon was just phenomenal in his coaching you know he gave you the freedom to go and play and he just thought outside the box he's just different and then obviously he took over as manager a couple of years after again you know and you've gone through in the course of your I think it was 10 years, uh, 10 with, years with Tipperary yeah. Through maybe four or five different managers, yeah, and different personalities in that, yeah. Um, and anything to share on that, or anything that you've seen over those years, or anything you've learned? No, I suppose for yourself, you pick up. You know, some of them probably I can't. Tell, I couldn't even remember them now, and that's for different reasons, you know. And for other people, the likes of Liam and Eamon and you know, they're men that you'll always look up to because you take the best out of every setup you're in, and you try and bring it with you. If you're that way in, in, inclined, and you're thinking of what you want to do down the road. And um, it was just, I suppose, the gel, the bond we had from 08 up along with that group of players that Liam put together and the management team was just fantastic, you know. And then look, Declan Ryan came in, he did a good job, and Tommy, uh, we just didn't get, get the success in the rubber arena, you know. And Eamon did got us to an All-Ireland final, and again, looking at yourself, we're beaten by E, you know, after a replay in 2014, we'd hurled outstanding. Um, but look, every management team comes in, they try and do their best. And once there's a good setup in place, in place, you know, it makes it an awful lot easier, uh, you know, like yourself. But just whatever Liam brought that time, you know, I'm not sure if it was there since then. And he brought it, and I'm hoping that he'll bring it back to those players because there's not too many of them left. So then the younger players he'll be able to influence again, you know, and they won't know what's coming down the tracks till he steps in to that dressing room with him. As you're saying, he'll bring in probably a strong backroom team without a doubt. And there's a lot, there seems to be a lot of former even players in Tipperary who are putting their hands up to who want to be involved. Yeah. Um, so we, we, we will expect, um, yeah, probably a formidable backroom team here with Liam. Yeah, we're definitely going to get a formidable backroom team, as you said, but I think he's going to go for people that are, you know, work-orientated. He's a big man for work, you know, um, and that's whether it's off the field or on the field, it doesn't matter, but that is what he's going to go after, you know. And look, the greatest game I think I've ever played in, I suppose, and looking back on it now, I didn't know, and you heard it, I was the 2009 All-Ireland final, you know, it was just phenomenal. And it was just, he had us so up for every game we went out on. And I think if he ropes that onto these players coming through, you know, the future will be right. Back come the team looking for four in a row. Back comes Owen Larkin. One point so far. In for Coverford. It's in the back of the net. Two in a row. The game has turned around. And the substitute, Martin Comerford, scores in the 64th minute. It's two goals, one from a penalty, one from play in the space of 60 seconds and it has turned around the 2009 All-Ireland Hurling Final. Heartbreak for Tipperary. Going back to your own career, um, you obviously had um, a dreadful injury in 2009 and probably uh, an injury where you're told maybe that you won't be playing sport again, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Can you talk to me about that? And, and, it was the and, county and, uh, final 2009 and... Uh, oh look it wasn't good for us it was our third county final appearing ever and we were beaten in 05 and we are beaten in 07 and again in 09 the 18th of October and it was just I think we were beaten well that day but for some reason management put me in full forward at the end of the game and I went out to the corner picked the ball and as I did I was coming in along and um, Paulie just crossed my pet 
and I had one weight on my right leg and Paulie just kind of crossed, came through and he took the leg with him and just got caught in the ground, the foot's in the ground, my leg just shattered, broke. Came down, saw, look, medical personnel come on, both team doctors came on and um, Peter Merton was actually going away from the, the game. He'd have been our team surgeon, I suppose, with tip and he came back. The two doctors brought me and then on a stretcher into him. I swallowed my tongue coming off the field so they let me down and then they brought me in underneath into the medical room and the two doctors handed me over to uh, Peter Merchant and he sorted me from there really you know he wanted a back cast on the leg. Did you know what was going on at the time or how severe it was? Yeah 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 I knew I knew I was in trouble because uh, you know it, the pain was horrific and I remember falling to the ground that day and uh, the leg was just it was shattered it broke I knew it was gone came in and um, I remember looking up at Peter and I said how bad is it? and I was roaring and he was under pressure as well whatever he was doing I was afraid to look down and he says it's bad enough now shut up that's what he said to me and I got on well with Peter but that was his exact words so the next thing I knew he was sticking a needle into my hip I was pain relief or whatever it was but that's it only for him there that day really he settled my leg on a back cast before too much blood came around and then he kind of realigned the bones for me so that was massive before I went to the hospital huge help yeah um and that was obviously a long process uh, for yourself, both physically and mentally, to try and come back from that. Uh, and it was, was there four breaks in the, in the... Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. There's four real bad breaks, then there was three. There was kind of seven or eight. It shattered, and one ball went down beside the other because the weight was on it when it broke. But they were able to pull it back. It, it, it didn't actually break the skin, which was gas on the day, you know, so the skin held it together and um, went back down, went down the morning after... Uh, down that night straight down to Waterford by ambulance that was the most horrific journey because every pebble on the road I could feel it and they couldn't give me enough oxygen or they couldn't you know what I mean they were trying to but it just wasn't killing the pain and uh, they put my morphine in as well so I went down and I got booked in the morning after on quarter 12 this lad comes on and hooks onto my bed with something you tow a tractor with and uh, he was taking me down to surgery and I said are you busy and he said sure you're only number 45 on the list or whatever it was that's that's the way they were rolling yeah, yeah. but I was well prepped and um, surgery went on and I went in at quarter 12 I was knocked out by say 10 past 12 and I think I woke up around 8 o'clock that night or quarter 8 that night and I woke up roaring and uh, the leg was after swelling they'd done the operation all the blood was caught inside so a doctor came down he just stuck a needle into the back of my calf to release the pressure and really from there on then it was one step forward two step back but I got there and I was told I wouldn't hurt again but I came back and I was back trained maybe a year from then with the club doing a small bit but I couldn't my first match back was in for tip in the league and that was 2011 maybe, 2011 I came on as yeah so I had a couple of months hard training done I had loads of work to do on my own but when I had all that done um, I came back in with tip and they gave me whatever I needed but it was just took a, a long time so I knew I was only going to get bits here and there so I came on first game and uh, I got ran into straight away by a small lad there from Kilkenny Michael Finley met me coming on to the field week, if you can remember it was under lights inside in Torres but I ran on anyway you come over you, you, you hit me a shoulder and that was it you know what I mean once you get back on as they say, if you get back on the horse or get back on the field, it's the same thing away you go again. Yeah, I actually, I recall, I definitely recall something saying actually, welcome back to you or something. And oh, it was a, it was oh, a, oh, you did, yeah. <laughs> it was a genuine welcome back, but I'm not, I'm not sure was it was 2011 or was it later in the, was it? Yeah. Was it, that's a league. It was league and uh, we were late back because we were holidays or whatever and he came to play us inside in Civil Stadium and it was under lights 
But uh, anyway, and uh, it was nice. There was a good crowd there. I got a good cheer coming on, and you <laughs> met me then. So that was it. It was I, all over. I'd say that. you met me. I'd say you were, oh, yeah, you were yeah. pumped with adrenaline. Yeah, but look, it was great to get back in the field, you know, and all you want, I suppose, unfortunately, I got it probably off Paul Corrinside training, is that you, you need a good belt in the league to make sure that it's okay and that you can take another belt and sure I've got loads of them since and I'm just delighted I was able to get back and get back to top level before it took me out really you know so and look that's, that's an unbelievable, it's unbelievable to come back that, that early but just take me back to that 2010 year where you are doing the rehab uh, like mentally did you believe you would be back you know obviously you were saying there was, you, you take a step back every so often you know did you actually genuinely think you would be back playing at that, that level I was told I wouldn't, but I always felt I would. Oh, I'm just that kind of character. I'm strong. I, I, I don't really care what people think about me or anything else. You know what I mean? I do my own thing a lot of time. And, uh, you know, I just felt I always had the will and I had the strength to do it. And uh, it, it just took an awful lot, lot of work, a lot of cycling on my own, a lot of weights on my own. And to be honest, I, I had uh, Pat Short from Upper Church, my brother-in-law, and Joe Egan, a good friend of mine. And they used to take me at half six every morning, take me into the source uh, it's the gym inside in Torres and the pool, you know, and I started with active jogging, they'd take me in the mornings and they do a bit of gym with me before they go off and do their day's work. Did that and then they bring me back home again. And it was bit by bit and then we got up on the bike and it's documented I was tied with a my parents used to tie my foot to the pedal of a mountain bike and I could go for twenty miles and then I come back and they lift me back off the bike, back on the crutch, go back into the house. And that's kind of the way it was. But for weeks after I went home I just couldn't sleep with the pain. You know, and I just couldn't do anything and you know, it's just I hear people talking about phantom pain and stuff like that, but I had genuine pain and I just couldn't sleep in the night time. I'd be up to maybe four or five o'clock in the morning, might doze off for an hour and then you get get up again for the day. But it was like that for long periods and then look, you start to walk and then I remember coming back into the tip dressing room for the first time, middle way, maybe June or July, and I was limp in bed and Keen O'Neill said to me and John Casey said to me, Take off her shoes and socks and pawn a pair of shorts and a jersey. So I did that, picked up my old jersey and away we went. I went out and I ran five laps of the field that night and I couldn't believe it. Now, I, I was limping a small bit, but I was in my bare feet. So I did one lap, 10 minutes off, one lap, 10 minutes off while the boys were training. And that night then I had to get Kairdock out to inject me into the hip for pain. But after that, I never, never really looked back. Oh, Once I got that first night's run out of the way. Yeah, that's, oh, it's an unbelievable, that's an unbelievable story in itself, you know, yeah, tying it, your foot oh, onto, onto a bike. And the, yeah. And the two gentlemen who brought you to the gym and that, were they part of the Tiberi setup? Or no, just good friends. Good yeah. friends who one, brought you. Yeah, one now is my brother-in-law, he was up to up church on Bell, man, and Joe Egan is a good room man, so. And look, I had loads of people calling and this and that, and everyone was good to me at the time. Tip were good to me, and look, I left from other counties onto me, and all the clubs in Tip got onto me, so that was all good. You know, at least it kept me positive, you know, and like Billy McCarthy inside, and Torres is kind of going through the same thing now. He dislocated his knee bad, and something like Tom Paris above him, so he'll want the same thing. Same, same sport, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it is important to have that community. Uh, and it is. the GA is probably... Is, is very good in that terms in terms of everyone getting around you and, and that you're not forgotten about exactly know? isn't yeah. that really it you know that you're not forgotten about that because it is hard you've injured yourself you know when you kind of go away from a team you think right some lad is my jersey now you can forget about it you know and things move on even when you retire lads just move on you think the world's going to end and it doesn't another lad just moves on and that's it yeah and you pick up something else maybe and that's you, it, you have your own it. interests in life as well yeah uh, when you're actually when you're starting to walk again, did you find that a, an unusual uh, experience? You know, obviously you've done that when you were a child, when you were a baby, two two year, or one and a half two years of age, and here you are again trying to walk again. Did you f- find that unusual? Yeah, it was unusual. And what was worse about it was when I came home from hospital, I was on the couch for a couple of weeks because I wasn't able to go up the stairs with crutches or, or anything like that, and the foot was elevated. And when you're looking down at your leg and 
you spend all your life building up the muscle in your leg and it's just deteriorating in front of you and I just went to bone like I'm not the heaviest at the best time 12 and a half would be my max and I went down to 10 stone you know uh, and it was all the muscle just crumbled off my leg and took me months and months and years really to build that back up but the sensation going back walking again while it was great it was difficult it was hard but once I got back then you know we just thought we would have to stay positive yeah. and that's the way I did it you know and I, I kept driving on and I, I'll never forget that winter I went out it was happening in October and coming up again Christmas we had a big freeze on uh, around that time minus 16, 17 degrees and I went out for the first time for a walk around the yard my brother and father were out in the shed or feeding cattle or whatever and I went down to crutches and I hit a piece of ice on the yard and bang down on the leg again and I, I roared you know what I mean with vexation and with the pain of it but look that was it uh, once you got going in the way I went and it's swept in in the end and it's finished in the back of the net It's a terrific day for the Premier County. They are the Premier hurling team in Championship hurling this year. No question or doubt about it. But the timing of that injury is obviously crucial as well. Um, Tipperary haven't won an All-Ireland final in a number of years. Obviously, you're on the panel since 2006. 2010, they win the All-Ireland final and you're obviously rehabbing um, that, that broken leg. Was that bittersweet? You know, how did you how did you find that, or how did you around that time? Yeah, sure. Oh look, I I knew when I broke the leg one win all Ireland. I suppose <laughs> I was thinking of that, but things had been just so good with Liam, and that two thousand nine All Ireland final was just outstanding. And Liam came into the dressing room after it, and he said, "Look, we'll be back here next year, and we're coming back for the Liam McCarthy." And a couple of weeks later, I broke my leg, and Liam came down to me in the hospital, and we we're chatting and this and that. I got back on the train field and I did a couple of trains with Tip before that all Ireland final. Obviously I was on the sideline and all that, but look, there's nothing makes anything easier than either walking out in the field with your teammates and playing the game. You know, even I suppose coming on or, you know, would have helped doing something, but I wasn't in that position, you know what I mean? And even when I went back in train, I remember going back and lads looking at me and we're doing drills, contact drills, and lads looking afraid to come near me. So I had to pull away again because we were preparing for an All-Ireland final and I was going to, you know, uh, disrupt the preparations because I was afraid to come near me. So look, it was superb to win. I'd love to be in playing and I never faced a certain match under Liam Sheedy until I broke the leg. But look, it was superb to, to win it. I still have the medal like everyone else. I was a part of it up until then and then look, the boys pulled away and it was great. Uh, would I have loved to be in playing? Absolutely. And I wasn't. That's what I have to put up with, I suppose. In 2011, you got to the All-Ireland final again, obviously. Um, and yeah, obviously that game, it was quite close as well. But I suppose we had something to prove yeah, uh, in terms yeah. of Kenny that day. Uh, and thankfully we did it. But again, it, it went down to the last five minutes. It, it went f fairly uh, fairly close again. In terms of silverware, uh, James, over those 10 years Tipperary, what have you got? What's in the... I have five Munsters, uh, five Munster medals of dollar in 2010. I have a 21 Munster final and I have two Munster minor finals. Under 21, that's where we really probably would have met each other. That's the first time I would have yeah. came across yourself uh, in the dollar in final. Um, funnily enough, I remember being in, in uh, the Crown Plaza before that game and um, I think... Kenny had just we just won the senior All Ireland uh, a week before, yeah. so this is the twenty one on the following Sunday, and um, I remember Ch Cha Fitz and Mark Moore were talking, and we're asking, you know, who are these Tipperary players? You know, because 
I think most of that team was not on the, the Tipperary panel, the senior panel, yeah. or, or wasn't playing on yeah. Force 15, no. so names wouldn't have been familiar to us. And I remember one of the lads saying, there's a James Woodlock fella there, Woody, he, he's rocket fast, and has yeah. his yellow helmet. So <laughs> that was one thing I was only looking out for, and, and obviously I was marking that day, but I think after 20 minutes, I was gone in half hour because oh, you were, you were uh, picking up an awful lot of ball and using your pace uh, that day that, that, that I first saw, and Cha was, was under pressure on the other side as well. But uh, that's the first time I would have came across yourself. And, uh, and by God, that game, we were blessed to come out with a draw yeah. that day. We probably nearly, we probably didn't deserve it realistically, uh, but we, we did wake up in the second half and we got a kind of a lucky goal near the end. But some of those players would have played that day. Um, did they, would, have, you know, would, would most of them would have went on to the senior panel? Yeah, some came through. I remember that 2006, I think I was, and Dara Egan were the only two, I think, from that. But since then, look, you had Paddy Saint came through. Dara Egan was on it for a little while. Um, and Conor Ryan Horser as well so there was a couple but not massive amount Jim Bob McCarthy a lot of them came in for a while and then kind of drifted off again but that team came and you know that's one of the biggest regrets I have is that 21 final because we were superb on the day mm-hmm. with a lot of work put in um, and um, we had David Jung actually as well on, on that team half back yeah, that day, yeah David was half back that day you know and Ryan DeWire and he went on to play with, with, with Tip with and, and Dublin, Dublin after yeah. that as well so look, that day, as you said, I think we had a sideline at the end and um, all I had to do was go over the... Anywhere. But, but it, it, it was a clearance, sorry, from Paddy Sable, I think. And anywhere, out over the sideline, it should have went up wherever, but it didn't. It did go over the sideline, sorry, and I think he got a line ball and ended up in the back of the net and he obviously bets and told us in the replay. But I suppose maybe half the team would have come through. But for longevity, maybe only four or five was really, you know. And for... for five or six or ten years, whatever, we, we lasted at. But even to, as, as you're talking about names there, there's a, a huge cohort that did probably yeah. come in and come out, come for, out for two, three, four years maybe. At least, yeah. But the amazing thing that I find is like that that group of players, like I said, yourself and Dara who were on the, the, the yeah. senior, like so there was obviously a big cohort of players on that senior temporary panel and I suppose it, it did take a couple of years for year 21 One to team. come and maybe a few younger fellas coming again. Um, and to make that, that's that really strong temporary panel that we would have seen in 2009, 10, 11 yeah. and so on and it would have come from that 2006 team and in 2006 Liam Sheedy was manager of the minor team that won the All-Ireland so those two groups came we were in the All-Ireland and they won the All-Ireland and when Liam came in I suppose two years after it was really those two panels of players that got the opportunity to prove it to him yeah. and, and Parik Maher would have been coming and Brendan Maher yeah, they, would they were all on those two or three years under us, yeah. Brendan Maher, Pauly Maher uh, Bonner, Mayer, all the players came through. Mickey Cal, very strong minor yeah. cohort. Come they all came. Road Ryan, all them were involved. You know. Yeah, and it, that actually that replay then was obviously was either the I think it was a week. Was the it Saturday week? after? The Saturday after in Turles, obviously. But obviously we had a person myself. I obviously had to sort myself out in terms of that day we played. But we we played. Yeah, we played badly enough. But again, you caught us on the day, and you were you were excellent. And that day again, the replay we played was was a really low scoring game. I think it was like. Only ten or eleven points scored yeah, each, and that's all. The the difference was a goal, maybe or, or four points in a yeah, so. at the end. Yeah, and uh, yeah, sure. Look, that's just the way it yes. went. You you were probably disappointed first day. We were happy, and then it was vice versa the week after. So yeah. you know that's the way it goes. Just tell me about your club, Drum and Inch. Again, from the outside, in terms of uh, outside Tipperary, we'd hear Drum and Inch is one of the, the strongholds of Tipperary, and. And uh, obviously yourself, Shamie Cannon, and a number of other players. Um, again, as you said, reaching not, uh, reaching county finals, but unfortunately not winning all of them. In your since you started senior, maybe two thousand and 
2003, 2004, I came on to a job, yeah, I suppose, whatever, 17, 18 years of age. And that's our club really only started to come in, build as a senior, I suppose, powerhouse in Tipperary. And that came from 04 on. And then it was a really first year, everyone was surprised. And then in 2005, we pushed it again. We got to our first county final ever. And we're beat by Sarsfields. We had a tragic incident that morning in our club where a person in the club lost his life. So that it didn't help us on the day but look we didn't perform either on the day and then again we got back to county final in 07 we didn't win it and 09 we didn't win it got back in 011 and we won it and in 012 then we're very pipped at the post again you know uh, by Torres and we haven't got back there since really you know but we're always in the top three four clubs in tape you know yeah. so it's been good probably been phenomenal underage you know like Drummond Age, you have, I suppose, myself, Shamie Callaghan, you have Shamie Butler, Eamon Buckley, you know, David Collins was in, Johnny Ryan, you know, so all them players would have come through. Strong, strong yeah. cohort and still providing players or still bringing players through. Yeah. Just lately, the GPA brought out the ESRI report in terms of player welfare and it was uh, conducted in 2016 and the results have just come out over the last week or two. Um, have any views on that in terms of uh, how the game is going or the demands of game or uh, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, uh, look, I read a small bit about it and I heard a bit about it as well. And look, I retired at 29 years of age and I was looking at, at uh, Barry... Coughlin from Watford, he's gone now at 28 years of age, you, you know, he went last week. And there's other players, you know, the time frame is getting shorter and shorter because of demands. And the reason I played and everyone played, and I'm sure we were saying because we enjoy the sport, we love the competitive aspect, the shoulders, the, the fairness of the play. Um, and just the way it's going, there's so much being expected of players, you know. If if I was self-employed, carpenter or whatever, there's no way I think I'd have ever heard for tip. You know, if you want to go off and try and make a living for yourself, it's impossible. Because you're gone every night a week or some mornings of the week and there's so much expected of you. And unless you give the time and give the commitment and give everything that you have to give now, you just can't be a part of it because there's someone else doing it and they're just going to be at a different level than you are. So I don't know how it's going to be managed, but there is so much being expected. If you see one county doing eight sessions a week, you're going to have the next county doing nine sessions a week to try and better them. If you have one crowd county doing two-hour training session, have another one doing two and a half, you know, and that's the way it's, that they think it has to go. You know? So the demands are absolutely massive. How it's going to be reformed, like the club situation, I don't know, but I think the more it keeps going the way it is, the more demands being put on players, the lifespan is going to get shorter and the less club player will want to play county. Yeah, my, my thoughts are very similar to yourself in terms of retiring earlier. As you yeah. said, you retired 29, which would, would which would have been quite early uh, over the last couple of years, but that is becoming yeah. uh, quite common now. And I'm surprised actually, Barry, I didn't even realise Barry Cotton had retired. Um, but definitely just the demands in the body and the commitments that sacrifice that people are making, you know, yeah, you exactly. ask the question. You would, you'd have to ask it, you know, because I see there with the club now even, like you can go back to the club, enjoy your training session, you're home an hour and a half, get down and meet all your boys, and you're still doing a lot of the right things, but just it seems to be more and more and more with your county, you know, and I suppose, look, obviously you're playing at a different level, a different standard, but I think that the reason everyone plays is for the enjoyment, and once the enjoyment goes out, you're going to have less players putting their hand forward to go and represent our counties. That's very true, and the social life seems to be non-existent. Non-existent, um, yeah, for months and months and years, you know, if you're successful, it goes on for years. Which, which is unfortunate. Um, just finally, any regrets over your um, tenure with Tipperary over those 10 years, between 2006 and 2015? Anything that you do different or anything that stands out? 
I'd like to have beaten Kilkenny in more, more All-Ireland finals. Uh, but look, you always look back at, at your defeats, you know, but sometimes you mightn't have been good enough or things didn't happen and that. So look, I'd have regrets with my 2006 uh, Under-21 All-Ireland final. And look, 2009 and 14 would have really stuck out in my head. I thought we performed really well. And look, like my club, we came really strong, but we met strong opposition. Torres Sarsis were at the height of their powers. And in Kilkenny, we're at the height of their powers every time. You know, so Mick Whether was going out playing a challenge match or going out playing an All Ireland final to me, it was all the one. I just really loved putting on the Tipperary jersey. I just loved it. I loved that I was able to get the opportunity to do it for so long. Since I was young, that's all I wanted to do was represent Tip. And I did it for, you know, as long as I can, did it for minor, 21, and senior. And I absolutely enjoyed it. Whether I was going out playing a challenge match or whatever, and the friends I've met, the people I've met, I have really no regrets. I think every time I went out, whether I was good enough or not, I gave it everything I had. You know what I mean? And uh, I, you know, I, I'm a worker at the end of the day. I'm farming at home. I work. You know, um, I'm a guard as well, and I play sport. And that's really it's a simple life, and I do everything as best I can. Whether it's good enough or not, it does me. That's a, we'll finish on that, James. That's an excellent, <laughs> an excellent version of, yeah. of life, and that's important. Ah, uh, yeah. It really, really is, and. Uh, and they say your family, work commitments, you know, realistically they'll have to come first at some stage and um, yeah, that's for players. And, you uh, can cry about the past, you, you know, as much as you want, but every time you go home and you have two little ones and a wife to go home to smile up with you and you have your health and I'm happy with my work, happy with what I do, I can't complain. Yeah. James Woodlock, thanks so much for your time. Much appreciated. No bother at all.